to the Making Laps Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 8 of the Making Laps Podcast. I am your host, Brent Gleason. With me in the studio is my co-host for this week, Jesse Gleason, and on the phone from Florida again this week is Penis. Phil Jakes. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Brent. I'm leaving that in. <laughs> Phil, how you doing? I'm doing good. How you doing? Excellent. Yeah, we are cold up here. I'm sure it's nice and warm in Florida. 65 and sunny. I hate you. Anyway. Uh, you can find us on Instagram at Making Laps Podcast. You can find us on Facebook.com slash Making Laps Podcast. Twitter hasn't gotten around to fixing our site yet. You're going to find Phil Jakes inside of the belly of a alligator. dinosaur alligator. Yeah. There's a reason why they survived the Big Bang. It's because they're dinosaurs. <laughs> because <laughs> Phil He's is been tasty. killed. Uh, I wanted to take a moment real quick to send our condolences out to the Manafort family. On the passing of Frank Manafort, longtime uh, participant in the North, uh, all of Northeast racing, really. Uh, I know he did a lot of USAC stuff, does a lot of midget stuff, uh, sponsors a lot of guys like Keith Rocco. Run. If you ever seen a car with the red and black uh, FMR logo, that's Frank Manafort. Uh, longtime staple of uh, the Plainville Stadium. Uh, passed away. Uh, just recently within the last couple of days i want to send condolences out to his family and all his friends uh so anyway let's get on into lap number one for lap number one this week we want to touch on the life and the career of john andretti who passed away on january 30th just a few days ago of colon cancer at the age of 56 uh for a few quick notes on his career john won races in imsa gtp cart Rolex Sports Car Series, NASCAR. He was the 1987 CART Rookie of the Year. He won the 1989 Rolex 24 at Daytona. Uh, he won the 2001 Six Hours at the Watkins Glen. Uh, he won the 1997 Pepsi 400 at Daytona, which was the first NASCAR win. I believe it was also the only NASCAR win for Kill Yarborough's team, the uh, number 98, the RCA car. Mm-hmm. And on the complete other end of the speedway spectrum, he won the 1999 Martinsville Cup race for Petty Enterprises in the 43 car. Uh, His best finish ever in the Indy 500 was fifth. He was also the first driver to ever race the Indy 500 and the Coca-Cola 600 in the same day. And to show you how diverse his career was, he even made it to a semifinal in a top fuel dragster in the NHRA in 1993 at the Fram Southern Nationals. Yeah, that was his first drag race too. It was yeah, it was his first yeah, time Jack drag Clark. racing. He was in a top fuel dragster and he damn near came close to winning the thing. I mean, you make it to the semis, it's pretty good. And Phil, you're a drag racer. That's got to be difficult. Uh yeah, it's actually impressive to hear that. I did I had no idea the extent of his career. I I remember John from I think the first time I remember seeing him race was in that number 37 Kmart car years ago. Oh, yeah, the old purple thing. That thing was yep. interesting color. Um, yeah, people don't really understand how diverse of a driver he really was. I mean, when 
when he had a good opportunity, he made good on it. I mean, you don't just win the Rolex 24 at Daytona if you're a chump. You don't win IndyCar races or kart races by being a chump. I mean, he won, you know, at Daytona in a car oh. that really wasn't top-notch equipment, and he won at Martinsville in the Cup Series in, let's be fair, equipment that wasn't the best. Yeah, that's a lot of different series to race at. That's, that's a wide variety to be competitive at. The the fact that he has won at so many different uh disciplines of racing is is really really impressive it speaks volumes for his talent and what he was able to do in his career i know that his career was really quite overshadowed by his relatives michael and mario andretti obviously because of the success that they had but again you go back through john andretti's career and you look at the equipment that he was really in and a lot of times, actually most of the time, he was in stuff that really wasn't top, top-of-the-line stuff. But he would still overperform in those cars. And I know that he used to race, I know it's not on my list, but he used to race like USAC sprints or wingless sprint cars and stuff too. I mean, he raced darn near everything. And it's really, it's a tough loss for the sport. And I know that we watched him battle against this for at least three years and yeah. it's it's just tough yeah well what happened was he he got the diagnosis late in, late in the stage of the cancer when he was 53 uh because he was racing he said and he didn't get a chance to get tested which they recommended you get tested at age 50 um i think really the legacy that's going to be left by him is uh you know obviously other than his his skill that's on the track he Seemed to be a very nice man, easy to talk to, really easy to interview. Was very, very, ch- very charitable as well. Very accessible with fans. Yep, he did a lot of work with the uh, Riley Hospital for Kids. He supported that forever. Uh, yeah, and he he had nothing controversial ever. You know, you never hear of anything. And he, he like I say, he was always good with the fans. And uh, when he got his diagnosis, he was. Uh, he treated it with uh, dignity under a lot of pressure because it, by the time it had spread to his liver and everything, and uh, really grace under pressure, it was kind of like royalty because I mean, you know, like kind of like Princess Diana, was like an ambassador, and they learn from me, you know. Uh, hashtag get it tested. Yeah, to, what, to be honest, and this is know? kind of an aside, but I personally don't feel like doctors really are interested enough in testing for different types of cancer. Like my primary care doctor doesn't even want to check me for like prostate cancer until I'm 50. And I'm like, no, I'd I'd rather get that checked now. And if you, like I said, I think that you got to be really, this, you got to be really proactive. This will probably open a lot of people's eyes to just saying, Hey, I'm going to go talk to my doctor about this. A colonoscopy is not that bad. A prostate exam is not that bad. You know, just go do something about it. It's really like even even once a year, it's not a big deal. I had to get a colonoscopy, and they, re- they removed uh, several precancerous polyps of it. I wouldn't have even made it to fifty, probably not. But I had symptoms, you know. So it's like family history and symptoms, and you got to be your own best advocate and go get it checked out. And I think that's the lesson you learn from it. You know, I'm actually going to be calling to schedule mine tomorrow. I tried calling last week, and the office was closed because they were moving offices. 
but <laughs> it's so. a family history alone. It should yeah. be enough. But yeah. hopefully some good can come out of it. Hopefully a lot of people will, you know, do something positive with their lives because of it. And yeah. I think that's probably the best legacy that we could possibly leave for them. So yep, thank you, John. Up. We appreciate your efforts in racing and all you can and do the for way humanity. He carried himself. He's yeah. very, very excellent. It's an example to follow. Yes. We appreciate that. Let's go to uh, lap number two. For lap number two this week, we're going to touch on a new project or a new program that Stafford Motor Speedway announced uh, last week. It was called the TC Drive for Safety Initiative. And basically, it was uh, funded by the Ted Christopher Memorial. And uh, it was spearheaded by his uh, widow, Quinn Christopher. What it entails is that it will provide eligible drivers with either a Nomex undershirt, Carbon X single layer head sock or helmet skirt, which, to be honest, is something that I kind of want to do because I have glasses and I don't like wearing head socks. So I basically race without it and just race, you know, bare helmet. And I'd really like to put something like a helmet skirt on my helmet. Too bad I don't register for uh, Stafford so I can get this. Uh, but at the end of the well, not the end of the year. It's actually like mid-season. They're going to have a drawing uh, for all participating drivers to win a fully custom Leaf Racewear, who I believe is the company doing all of the safety gear for this. Uh, custom fire suit. It's going to be custom fit with you know full embroidery of your choosing and such. Uh, I think it's a really cool initiative. I don't think I've ever seen a track like this or a track have a program like this before. No, yeah, the... Northeast as a region is very safety conscious. Regionally, it's kind of a within the culture, I think. Uh, we've done a pretty good job at keeping things safe and moving things forward with uh, added rules and regulations to protect the racers from themselves and from fires and other, other ways to get hurt or killed. Uh, some other places and regions are not so safety conscious. You could see it's really bad. Uh, to see that, especially when there's like burns and things of that nature, a lot of all as the old cliche is, all the rules are written in blood. There's no, yeah, yeah, safety is no accident. Yeah, see, there's you can look at differences in racing from north to south. Down south, I think that the car rules are really good, like their engine rules, their car rules, suspension rules, etc., like that. But their safety rules really kind of stink. Now, up north, I think our safety rules are pretty damn good. Like, we have mandatory Hans, and you got to have a mandatory double-weighted fire suit, mandatory he uh, full head restraints on your seats, like full containment seats. Uh, you have to wear gloves. Like, no joke, you have to wear full fire suits. I don't like a lot of our car rules, so it's kind of flip-flopped. Yeah, the rules... You know what? I'm sorry, go ahead, Phil. I think a lot of the uh, the safety rules, were north versus south, I think that comes down to insurance regulations a lot, too. It's a lot more lax down in the south. Up in the northeast, uh, especially with NASCAR sanctions at a lot of these tracks, the insurance regulations really kind of dictate a lot of that stuff, I believe. Yeah, but I don't like the idea of insurance regulating safety. But, again, racers themselves should be a really proactive in their own approach to racing safety. I mean, they should, they should know the risks involved. I mean, last year, a good friend of ours went to Greenville Pickens for a Mid-Atlantic Street Stock Series race, and it was not 
what we were hoping it was going to be. Like, it turned out pretty bad. It turned out ugly, and it wasn't the Mid-Atlantic Street Stock Series' fault. Oh, I'm it sorry. Their, it wasn't their officials' fault. It was that, it, it was the, the minute they ran it, but the officials uh, at the racetrack they were at uh, missed a call. That's what that's what Okay, so it, it we're not, yeah, we're not going to throw anybody under the bus for this. It was Pickens, yes. It, yeah, I would say the people running the racetrack and the officials at the racetrack, but not the series because I love the series. Yeah, I love the minute. It, it wasn't their sucks. fault. No, it was, uh, yeah, it was. A, it was a missed call. Now, what happened, Jess? Well, we'll have links to this on the on the page from YouTube. It's readily available. What happened was a car, uh, sixteen laps in a race or whatever, a car got disabled under the back stretch and he couldn't get down off the apron off the back stretch. And the race went on for an entire lap. The people up at the tower never threw the yellow. Nobody saw them or nobody did a thing. And when the leaders came around, the leaders missed them. But the guys behind the leaders that were in the mid-pack couldn't see far, uh, far enough in front. And uh, driver Daryl Beanders uh, got cleaned out real real bad yeah by members of his family by uh, unfortunately a member of his family and he got rear-ended straight on yeah about over 100 and that and it blew up like a bomb and that thing was on fire real real bad yeah our friend moose down was involved in a wreck and he said it was too hot for him to get over there and try to yank the driver out uh eventually a member of his family did uh pull him out he was on fire for almost a minute in a single layer suit with no gloves, so you can imagine how well he could wipe his own rear end right now. Uh, but it, he was in, he was, had second and third degree burns all over his body, and it, he was in the ICU for 103 days and had major physical therapy, and it had a lot of hospital bills that people in the community helped the family out with and thank god almighty that he ended up being okay yeah that was one of the most frightening quotes i've ever heard from one of my friends who races was moose saying that after the wreck came to a stop because he had cleaned out the right side of his car on one of the cars in the accident and he came to rest backwards on the track looking at the car on fire and he says i was sitting there watching a guy burn to death and I was like, that is the most frightening thing I've ever heard in my life. And I'm like, I got to bump my safety program up. Mine's pretty good. But like like I said, I want a helmet skirt. I want all this other stuff now because of that. And I know, Phil, you've been involved in some stuff, but you are a very strong advocate for safety. And I know that yeah, you probably absolutely. take it as, as serious as possible. Yeah, you won't, you won't see any of my race cars without a full containment seat, leg supports, knee knocker. Hans device, fire bottle, you know, the whole nine yards. Got to have that stuff. You can't put a price on your life. Yeah, I mean, I, I make sure that my car has a full firewall front and rear. I've got a Halon system in it. I will actually kind of shame myself and say that, yeah, I do have kind of a cheap fuel cell in the car, but I do want to upgrade it in the future to a bladder style cell. I think everybody should. I mean, what's what's a thousand bucks? you know, compared to the hospital bills and pain you're going to suffer for burn injuries. I mean, they're probably the worst. I mean, I'd rather break an arm or a leg or something than get burned. I mean, that's terrible. Yeah, I can't even imagine. You have to be your own best advocate. If the racers can't do it themselves, then then the sanctioning body and the, and the officials better save the racers from themselves because there's a lot of rat traps out there. 
there's a lot of cars that people shouldn't be in them. And you guys, if they can't afford good safety, you can't afford racing. That's period. And that's the end. Yeah. I feel like Stafford with this initiative is continuing to be a beacon for safety amongst the Northeast because they're probably the only track around here that actually mandates that you have to run a bladder style fuel cell in the car. You have to run some kind of fireproof uh, fire extinguisher system in it. And you have to run like full head restraints and full gloves and full everything. I know they're a NASCAR track and it's probably a good idea for their insurance to say that. But, and I know that I pump Stafford up a lot on this, but they don't promote my podcast when I promote them. So, (laughs) but anyway, anyway, no, their, their example is worth following. And I believe that this initiative should be followed by as many tracks as possible. But like I said, you got to be your best advocate for this. So why don't we move into lap number three? For lap number three this week, we are going to preview Speed Weeks at New Smyrna for the World Series of Asphalt Racing. That is going to begin on, I think, Friday, February 7th. If you can't make it to the track, which if you live in that area, you should be at the track. I mean, you live somewhere where it's warm and you should go to the racetrack. And (laughs) we don't live where it's warm and we live a couple hundred or thousand miles away. So, yeah, we're not going to make it. But if for those of you who want to watch, it will be available on Track Pass from NBC Sports. They are taking over for fanschoice.tv. Yeah, yes, that's no longer a thing. It's now Track Pass from NBC Sports. And yes, you do have to pay for it for the people who whine about it. Uh, It will be, I think, five bucks a month, but you could do the deal like I did. And it's like $44.99 a month and it's, or a year. And it would be, that equates, I think, to like $3.75 a month. So for those of you whining about having to pay for something, maybe you should ask your mom for more allowance money and pay for Track Pass. Oh, (laughs) rent. What? So mean. No, I can't stand people who bitch about like, oh, I don't want to spend five dollars a month on this. No. Hopefully with that it'll be better connection and the announcers will get the names right. I watched the Rolex twenty four on Track Pass. I literally pulled it off of my phone and chromecasted it to my TV and if I could have stayed awake, I would have watched all twenty four hours on that. I had no connection issues. I had no quality issues. I had no issues whatsoever. It's a much larger program. They have much better equipment. It's totally worth three dollars and seventy five cents a month. This this program is brought to you by NBC Track Pass. It is forty four ninety five a month. I wish it was, <laughs> but no. I'm just saying. I'm sick of people whining about it. Don't whine. Pay the money. You probably spend more than that on coffee or fast food a month. So what's on track for the first days of New Smyrna? Uh, like I said, it starts uh, February 7th. Uh, I believe that's a Friday. Well, I'm sure that practice is before that, but the first race. Yeah, they have practice on Thursday. Yeah, the first race is Friday. I mean, I don't want to watch practice. I don't care about practice. <laughs> um, they're going to have. I care about practice. It's the only time I'll get some laps this week. Well, yeah, you're going to be racing. Well, at least running your car down there, um, which yeah, we'll get, we'll get to in a second. Um, but from what I could gather, they're going to have a whole bunch of like different divisions. Uh, and to- how long is it going to be for nine days? I believe nine days. Nine days, okay. Nine days total, yep. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, so they're going to have tour mods, super late models, pro late models. I believe they added the Wheelman series, right? Yeah, the Wheelman series is new this year. They changed the sportsman division over to Wheelman rules for the year. 
They get uh, so they get more Steve cars Dorr. anyway, right? Yeah, well, it's it's a more popular uh, part of the division, I guess I would say. The the Wheelman series has been growing really quickly around here. The rules were written by Ricky Brooks uh, in conjunction with Steve Dorr, um, who runs the series, and it's just it's a smart set of rules, an affordable set of rules, and it's a well run series. Yeah. In addition to that, they're probably going to run bombers. Florida. They're going to run Florida mods, I think, too. Mod mini. Yep. I'm not sure what other divisions there are. Are there Tour any mods, other? Right. Yeah, I said tour mods. Super first. stocks. They got super stocks. They got the pro trucks. Oh, they got those uh, too. Jeez. Yep. Well, I was looking at the schedule and I couldn't like decipher because I was reading it too fast. <laughs> I, I think the pro trucks only run one time. They run next weekend, I believe, on Saturday. And I think that's the same with the mod minis. I think they only run once. Yeah. Generally, if you if you go there, you're going to see the supers, the pros, the tour mods, uh, Florida mods, and that that's kind of generally what the week is. The sportsmen only run two nights. That's Friday and Saturday. And then the next weekend, I think Saturday night, they run the trucks and the pro mods with everybody else. But like bombers doesn't translate up here, but that's probably like a a glorified enduro type division, right? Something like that. You got to run street tires. Yeah, it's kind of like an X car, like a super X, something like that. Or a what's well, it? A, what's it? A pure stock at Stafford, something like or a Stafford, not Stafford, Seaconk. something like yeah, that. Yeah, they well the the bombers here at New Smyrna would be. Mostly four-cylinder and V6 cars, I believe. Um, there's no big-body cars. Oh, so That's the... That's uh... more on the west coast of Florida for the bombers. They have the V8 bombers over there, and I don't think they run during speed weeks over so here. So would they be called a super stock if they were a V8, something like that? Yeah, I think that's generally what's going to be running for the V8 cars is the super stocks. You get the big body Montes, Impalas, uh, some metric cars. Not a lot of metric cars down here, really. And a mod mini is essentially a mini stock. Yeah, it's like any MST car. Oh, okay. So the marquee events, I guess, that the people will have on their radar is going to be like opening night, obviously Friday, uh, February seventh, and then Monday, February tenth, is I believe the ARCA East series, the new name for the K and N series. Uh, it said they're going 175 laps. I'm like, oh, that's a hell of a lot. I don't know if that's a typo or not, but we're going to roll with it. Then Wednesday, February 12th is the John Blue at the third 76 for the tour mods. Uh, Friday, February 14th is the Richie Evans 100 again for the tour mods. And Saturday, the 15th, I think that's the last day, uh, is the Orange Blossom 100 for the super late models. And yeah, I believe so, yes. Yeah. Mixed in between, they'll be racing every single night from Friday to the next Saturday, I think. And scattered in between will be all the different divisions that'll be down there every night. So, any notable racers on the entry list? I wish I could have found uh, an entry list, but I know that um, Bubba Pollard will be in Ryan Priest's modified, and I think Ryan will probably be down there running a car, too. I mean, obviously, he's going to be there. You know Matt Hirschman will be there. Yeah, he'll obviously be there. Um, get that money. I've heard that the tour mods are going to have at least they got at least 30-plus entries, and that's really good. Um, again, I searched around. I searched and searched. I could not find an entry list posted anywhere. 
So I, I do have one right in front of me right now. Awesome. You found one. Oh, good. Because I yes, couldn't. I, I even went one. to New, New Smyrna's website and I couldn't find one. Um, so if you got so, one, go ahead. For, yeah, for the super late models, you got Brad May, who was last year's champion in the division. Uh, Derek Griffith from up in New England. Uh, David Rogers is returning. Oh. Uh, I believe this will be his first World Series that he's going to be running since uh, his cancer diagnosis. Yeah, he's been um, out for a few years. You got guys, local hot shoes like Anthony Sergi. Um, got, uh, let's see, Jet Noland. He's pretty good around here. Ryan Moore is coming down. Uh, Augie Grill. And then in the tour mods, uh, there's a lot of familiar names. J.R. Bertuccio, Jeff Gallup, uh, Kyle Eversall, Ryan Priest, uh, Joe Bertuccio. Um, let's see, what else do we got? Anthony Celsi from New Jersey. Uh, then obviously Bubba Pollard, uh, which he's going to be interesting to see. I, I'm curious to see how aggressive he's going to actually be in those cars. Like I said, I wish I had a full, full rundown of the names, but I'm sure a lot of the New York guys are coming down. And um, yep, I, Dave I, Sapienza, Craig Lutz, Eric Goodale, Matt Hirschman, Anthony Nacella, Patrick Emerling, you know all the names you know. And then the prolates, uh, Jamie Skinner, Mike Skinner's brother. Uh, Jerry Artuso's uh, from up in Ontario. There's a lot of good drivers running around here. There's so many days they can clean up with a lot of big paydays. Yeah, I was looking. I found the purse structure and I was looking at it and I said, you know, it's fairly comparable to what we were running up here before they changed it on us. But like it's, it's, it's not an inconsiderable amount of money. I mean, for a tour mod for running, I don't know, thirty laps, it's like. 1800 to two grand or something to win which not i mean that's not bad so yeah the purse structure is good i'm happy with that I, I like the schedule again i really don't know if that uh arca east series race is going 175 laps because that seems like a really long race i don't know if that was a typo or not but whatever uh they're going to be the only race that evening i believe and then no actually they're not i believe they're going to run something i think after the tour mods run yeah, they're going to run tour mods after that. I think it's going to be a 50-lap race. I can't remember. Um, I didn't 30, write it down. 35, I believe. Oh, it's a shorter. Okay, so it's a normal race. And I think the Supers also run. I think it's tour mods, Supers, and uh, the K&N, well, Arca East. Whatever it is now. <laughs> um, yeah. I could have a whole episode on the weird Arca you know, point structure, national points and regional point structure that they put together. But it's like, eh, I don't really care. I just want to watch racing. <laughs> but well, I'm actually concerned about what the car count might be for the Arca East race, considering Daytona runs the day before. Oh, so they're going to run the big Arca show at Daytona and then run the Arca race right next door? Right. Well, actually, no, Arca is on Saturday. At Daytona, and then they run the Arca East on on Monday at New Smyrna. Well, and I mean, the cars, I believe, are identical now. Yeah, because they they're going to run the same body. They're not going to change it for um, super speedways or, or short tracks or anything because they run that uh, five star flange fit body like they've been running for the last few it's years. Spec body now, right? Yeah, yeah it's right. all spec body, spec spoiler, spec all that stuff. Yeah, so which is regionalized. Yeah, yeah, and they're they're probably just going to change setup. I mean, that's probably set up in gears. I think that's all it is now. But yeah, I mean, it's the nepotism cup now. So they probably got multiple cars and stackers and everything. So (laughs) 
Truth. <laughs> Daddy probably, Money Racing. Yeah, they priced all the local guys out who have like you know a gooseneck or something <laughs> in one car. So but anyway, um, I know you have Phil some plans for New Smyrna because you're planning on moving south, and I believe you just recently purchased a car that conforms to the Wheelman Sportsman rules. Yeah, I actually uh, bought the 2019 Wheelman Sportsman Series champion Patrick Thomas's uh, car. Friend of the podcast. I was down here. Yeah, I was down <laughs> here in November. Uh, attended a private test session with him for. Uh, he was going to go run the Snowball Derby uh, as an outlaw stalker. I think that's what it's called, outlaw stock, with a new car he built. And we kind of got to talking about it. And at first, I was joking around with him, haha, funny, but it turned serious pretty quick and knowing the history and the success he's had in that car and the amount of wins and championships that car has brought home. Uh, I kind of jumped at the opportunity to buy that thing. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go down there, I mean, why wouldn't you? I mean, this, the series seems to be very strong. There seems to be a lot of really good competition. Um, there seems to be a good amount of tracks to race at. This and is about priorities, and you bought a car before you bought a house. Correct. <laughs> that's <Yeah>. excellent. <laughs> Race car is life. Yes, that's like that's one of the first things I moved into this house when I when I bought it was I put the race car in a garage. I'm like, I got a place for it. it, was the first thing. it hey, was, how do I know if the race car is going to fit in the garage if I don't have a race car? Yeah, correct. Actually, my wife just confirmed that it was actually the first thing that I moved into this house. Those are big cars, so that's that's definitely one thing I've been looking for is a house with a garage. Yeah, you're gonna need a one and a half car garage at least. Oh, at least they're 17 feet long, tip to tail. Jeez, yeah, they're they're a big wedge body open tail car with um, small greenhouse uh, slab sides. They look pretty cool. I like them. If they ran something yeah, up here, I'd be interested in them. They, well, they do run something actually very similar up uh, NHS TRA. Uh, I think it's called the late model sportsman up in New Hampshire. I think Ryan Bell came down to the World Series at Thompson last year with one, and he he mopped up the floor with the field there. I know that these cars actually kind of look like the old Star Speedway Outlaws. I don't even know if they even run those anymore. I haven't heard or seen them in a long time, but they were pretty yeah, cool I'm not cars. Sure. They were really cool cars. It was almost it was like one page rule book. I loved it. The thing I like the most about these cars is they're so affordable. It's spec shocks, quick change rear with five on five uh, hubs. It's a straight rail tube frame chassis with a stock geometry tube Camaro snout. You got to run stock spindles, stock lowers. You can run any uppers you want, but it's a 602 crate motor with a four barrel. It's I'm not going to get Jesse started on the communism conversation again, but it's a really basic and affordable car. Does it overpower the rear tires? Uh, well, they run on a, a Hoosier F70 Slick, which is a new tire that Hoosier came out with. And the cars are actually, they were running on a treaded Hoosier 750, and the cars have lost three to four tenths uh, on the Slick tire. So it's a hard tire. so hard. Yeah. Yeah, I, I, I got to do the thumbnail durometer on one the other day, and it's actually comparable to the uh, American Racer 705. As far as feel, it's it's a very hard tire, and they last a long time. There's guys out there that have run them already 150 laps, and they don't have a ton of fall off. 
Well, that's good for affordability purposes. Even if it is a slick, it doesn't matter. As, as long as it's a hard tire and you can slide around on it, it'll keep it as affordable as possible as long as it lasts. I typically, yeah, absolutely. I typically frown on Hoosier tires because they just fall off so fast and they're kind of poor quality in my opinion. But I know Robbie Summers would slap me if he heard me say that, but that's just my personal opinion. I'm sure they're fine. I don't have any real beef yeah. with them. But When they tested those tires, they, the, the first lap on the track – and the 80th lap on the track uh, were within, I think it was 300s. So they don't fall off a lot. Yeah, that's almost driver error at that point. I mean, yep. So yeah, the new Smyrna World Series of As- it's asphalt racing, right? Because top- uh, I believe it's the World Series of stock car racing. Is it? Asphalt stock car racing. Okay, because Thompson Speedway does the World Series of Speedway racing, correct? Because I don't want to yes. mix, I don't want to mix the two up here. So it's the World Series of Asphalt Stock Car Racing. It starts, racing starts, uh, February 2nd. You can catch it on NBC Sports Track Pass. Just pay the money. It's awesome coverage. It'll be good. You can Chromecast it from your phone. You can watch it on your phone, too. It runs until February 15th. I believe that's a Saturday. So, yeah, I know yep. what I'm going to be doing for the at least those nine days. I'm going to be sitting on my ass in front of a TV watching New Smyrna like usual. I'll be doing the same thing except when I'm there. Yeah, you'll probably be standing next to one of the burn barrels in the turns. <laughs> no, I'll be standing in the spotter's tower spotting my car. Is Patrick the <laughs> mystery driver? I can neither confirm nor deny at this point. Okay, so that's a yes. You should be driving it. <laughs> well, at least well, take it out I, and practice I will, once. At the risk of sounding like a pussy, uh, <laughs> I will be practicing the car on Thursday, uh, and I will have somebody driving the car uh, to race it Friday and Saturday. I just don't want to – I haven't had any seat time really in, that, in a car like that yet, so I would rather not jump right into the fire. I'd rather run a couple weekly races down here once I move and get settled. We're, and, and kind of acclimate myself. We're in our, we're in the studio shaking our heads like you call yourself a racer. Get out there and run <laughs> laps. Start in the back. Just do it. Nah, screw it. You know what you should do? You should not even practice in the car. Make sure a mystery driver has all the time in the world to tweak that mofo and go win that son bitch. It's probably fine. Just yeah. run it. <laughs> That's right. Make sure you make sure you hide the traction control really well. Yeah, you got to put it in the pocket. <laughs> I, I borrowed it from Keith Rocco. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure if Keith Rocco listened to the podcast, he'd be upset. <laughs> no, he w- he, he wouldn't. Not. He knows the joke. Every, that's why he read the Davis uh, Technology sticker on the back of his car. That was funny. Yeah, we don't. Uh, that that yeah. was wonderful. Yeah. All right, so we are going to stick with Florida when we go over to lap number four. Sticking with the theme of Florida is lap number four. YouTube personality, gearhead, etc., freedom specialist, Cletus McFarland purchased the long dormant. Oh, well, I shouldn't say long dormant. It's only been shut since 2017. He purchased DeSoto Speedway down. It's right next door to Bradenton Motors. Is it Bradenton, Bradenton Motorsports Park? Yes, it is. It's basically, if you look at it on a map, it's like right next door to the shutoff area at the end of the drag strip at Bradenton. So he came out with a video and apparently they purchased the facility 
uh, I think mid-January. And again, it was closed since 2017. He released an epic YouTube video, which I know a lot of people probably have seen if they watch his channel. But he had like Vaughn Gittin Jr. He had Mud Trucks. He had Mike Finnegan from Roadkill. He had all these personalities come out and basically shred the track. They had all their cars there. Obviously, the track is in some sort of disrepair because it's been, again, kind of neglected for three years. And there's a lot of weeds poking through it, but it's got a lot of good bones. I'm glad it went to somebody who is obviously excited about it, who's not going to turn it into a Walmart, who's not going to turn it into some just random store or housing complex or whatever. So it's. I think he's going to do a lot of really good things with it. And I know that they're going to try to shoot for the end of the year. They're going to have their first public event, which is one of his like uh, automotive thrill show type of things, Cletus and Cars, that he does, where they do burnout contests and probably have drift cars. And they'll probably have some kind of drag racing event held over at Bradenton next door. But I've seen a lot of people complain about that since he purchased it, it's not going to be an oval track anymore, and it's not going to do this. Not, I mean, the guy bought the track. He's cleaning it up, and he literally said, hey, I'm open to reopening the oval track if we can get the right promoter and we can get cars here. Yeah, so it's not a no. It's just a definite maybe. It's not even a maybe in my eyes. It's a yes. Okay. I don't think you'll see yeah. weekly racing at, Bra- at uh, DeSoto. Mm-hmm. But, again, anything is possible. Can Cletus buy more well, racetracks? <laughs> we'll see in the future. Let's call it what he calls it, the Freedom Factory. The Freedom Factory, yes, indeedy. Well, can you blame him? I mean, he went and did what all of us wish we could do, and it's have our own playground. Is the playground open to the public it for could a be certain if, price? If you participate in the Cletus and Cars events, it could be. Uh, I, I mean. He'll probably have, like, demolition spectator races, I guarantee it. Probably figure eight races. Because oh, cool. that, that track is paved for figure eight racing. Oh, yeah. And all the grandstands are there. All the infrastructure is still there. It needs a really good weed whacking and, and, like, street sweeping and a leaf blower taken to it. And maybe some crack sealing. But since he lives in a place where there aren't frost heaves, you're not going to have giant, cav- you know, giant cracks and, like, caverns in the... <laughs> In the asphalt top. So I bet you it's in pretty good shape. Again, I don't really know a lot about DeSoto Speedway. I know that they struggled a long time with car counts, and that's eventually what led to it closing. Uh, I know it opened in the 70s, ran for a long time. But, Phil, I know you're to and from Florida a few times. I don't know if you've ever been to DeSoto. I'm sure you probably have at some point. Yeah, I've been there a couple of years. I think one of the biggest problems with that place in, in recent years is it's kind of been a revolving door of promoters in and out of there. The the owner, John Sapperconi, I can't say his name, um, he was notoriously difficult to work with down here. Um, so you had different promoters come in and they'd they'd stick around for a year or two and then it would change hands again and it would just do it over and over again. Um, It's a great facility, Uh, really racy track, multi-groove, high bank, three-eighths mile, kind of paperclip shape, not like the bull. Uh, But it's, it's a really cool facility. And quite honestly, I think Cletus is the right person for that place. 
Um, no, it's not going to have weekly racing like you said. Um, oh, well, it may. We don't know yet. But um, I mean, it's not on the, the docket right the now. Track, yeah, just the fact that the track was saved, though, is a huge deal, especially down here. And, you know, the fact that he bought it over anybody else has kind of set shockwaves through the circle track community down here. But on Facebook, I've already tried to talk a couple people off the ledge that are freaking out about it. I'm like, look, he's open to the idea. He's talked in the past of building his own circle track car. Um, you know, there's always that possibility. Like he said, if the right promoter can be found to run the track um, as an oval program, then he'd absolutely be open to doing it. You just got to do it and have someone that knows what they're doing. And I, I think that's why Cletus said it the way he did is he doesn't know how to run a weekly program or, or any kind of oval event. So he kind of was throwing out a line there. Hey, someone contact me and hopefully someone will come along and something will happen. And I, I love all the people that you have to quote, like you said, talk off the ledge. I mean, what were you thinking when the track was closed for three years? Is it better closed or is it better in the hands of somebody who actually gives a damn about the automotive industry somebody who's curious as to circle track racing he's actually you said it he stated in the past that he is open to the idea of even building his own car and having his own facility but when you jump into something like this with both feet i mean with what he wants to do to the facility or do with the facility it's definitely going to keep it open i mean those events are increasing in popularity the guy's got almost I say almost two, he's creeping up on 2 million followers on YouTube. His events that he yep, puts on. 1.75. Yeah, and last I checked, it was one. So he's gaining popularity. He's gaining a very large audience. He's bringing a lot of attention to not only this facility, but even to short track racing if he can get something going in those events that he promotes, the Cletus and Cars events and whatever else he does. It's just nice to hear a story about a racing track that is ready to go to the shredder actually being saved for a change. It's just nice to hear a positive well, I, story for once. That's all. I don't care where I it is. I think there's a big That's, opportunity here too. Yeah. Yeah, with what you he know, with what he does with his Cleases and Cars events, he has a lot of room for growth. And he could bring a lot of different platforms into those events. Like if he has what he does, like burnout contests, drifting, spectator drags, whatever, demo drags. If he threw, like, a sportsman race out there with, like, 30-plus cars, just one race, I think the fans would still love it. You know what I mean? Yeah, Spr sprinkle it in there. opportunity to get new eyes on the product. And, and that's something that a lot of people need to step back and take a look at. You know, like you said, if you bring in the sportsmen's and, and maybe – a bomber division, affordable divisions that people on the other side of the fence that wouldn't necessarily look at what we do as racers, maybe they'll get interested and they'll see the competition and the beating and the banging and they'll get excited about that and they'll say, hey, I want to build a bomber. I want to build a sportsman. Maybe they'll keep their drift car or keep their burnout car, but they'll build that also. And, and that could help our sport grow as well as what they do as well. Who is better at self-promotion than somebody on YouTube with millions of followers? Because how did they start out? 
They started out from nothing and they grew their own audience based on what yep. they did. So for, I mean, you look at who's who's buying the track. You look at the following he's got. This is the perfect opportunity. Well, in the fact that he's got companies like Holly and uh, Texas Speed behind him, um, that that's big. We use Holly carburetors on our cars. That's you know that's another thing that we can look at is the advertising side of it. Maybe there's special promotions that could be had. Yeah, there's different things that he can do. I mean, you look at the direction that NASCAR took by bringing in uh, somebody to help with uh, attracting their key demographics, which is younger men. Uh, you look at what they did with Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports is bringing a lot of attention to NASCAR. They are increasing in value. They're increasing in uh, followers uh, followers, and following. Um, they are jumping in with both feet in NASCAR. Dave Portnoy is going to da- Daytona 500 this year which I don't think he did last year. And so, I mean, they're they're gaining a foothold back in the market into a demographic that they kind of lost track of for at least 10 to 20 years. So for them to have somebody on a grassroots level like a Cletus McFarland, you know, the YouTube channels, to come in and even purchase a facility. And I think that DeSoto is in a really good spot. I mean, you've got... Within, I want to say, two hours, you've got... Okay, you're in Florida, Phil, so you could probably fill me in a lot better than, than what I would. But within two hours of that track, which isn't a huge drive, you've got... I think New Smyrna's pretty close to two hours. It might be a little more. Yeah, New Smyrna's about... So if you were at DeSoto, you'd have 417, which is south uh, near Punta Gorda. Um, then you got Auburndale, Showtime Speedway, East Bay, which is dirt, North Florida, Bubba, Lake City might be within reach. You got a bunch of drag strips in Lakeland and Again, you've got the you got the drag strip at Bradenton literally right next door. So you could even enter yeah. into some kind of a partnership with them, because I'm sure he will at some point, even for promotional gigs, not just like business. Racing in general has changed a lot in just the three years since DeSoto kind of went under. You've got these new sanctioning bodies and new series that weren't there before, and the popularity is coming back, the affordability is coming back, the car counts are coming back, and they're going to be looking for new opportunities to bring something like a super late model, a pro late model, a sportsman, a bomber, any kind of series coming back to this track. And again, you're going to touch on an area where people said, oh, well, this was close to me, but now i got to go somewhere else. Now it's open again. Now you can go back. So what does this mean for the social, the uh, short track racing community as a whole? As a whole, I think it brings more exposure. Because, again, you've got somebody who's creeping up on 2 million subscriptions, and a million's a lot. That's a lot of people, but you're going to bring a lot of exposure to this. And again, it's, it's fun. It's entertaining, you know, viewing. And if he can bring attention to it, then it's always going to, it's always going to be a positive. Yeah. It's an opportunity that shouldn't be taken lightly by any promoter, really just solely based on his subscription count. Yeah. That's a big advertiser um, 
it sounds like he's more of the promoter, and it sounds like he's the one that's doing the promoting on this channel, really. Again, YouTubers yeah. are big self-promoters. Yeah. And with that amount of exposure, you can bring a lot of advertising revenue to somebody, um, bring YouTube revenue. You can. It's it's just a big market to bring attention back to the sport. And so it's, it's so all a positive. Even like right now, obviously we said there's no weekly racing on the docket, but it's not out of the question. Right. So how can the whole short track racing community learn from this? Self-promotion. Yeah. Don't leave it up to the racers. <laughs> well, and I think I think the other thing too, the flip side of it is going to be if he does bring in some oval events and they they're successful, I think you're going to see a lot of other tracks kind of looking at that and and looking to diversify their program because, like what you were saying a little bit earlier, they, they, that place is built for figure eights. It's a high banked oval, so it can run circle track stuff. Um, you can do spectator drags, demo derbies, burnout competitions. There's so much you can do, and Cletus is kind of the king of all of that stuff right now. Yeah, if you look at places like Wall Stadium Speedway down in New Jersey, they have a they have a big paved infield and stuff. They host, I think they host Formula D events. I'm pretty sure yeah, they, they host. Uh, they host is big it Formula time. Formula Drift. Yeah, I think they host Formula Drift events. So yeah, they, they have for a while. It's a, just a, it's another diversification. If you can have that track open and people at it, you're going to gain exposure. So didn't uh, Thompson Speedway do that the last couple of years with diversification of their uh, racing lineup? Technically, with but you know, yeah, with the drift but, cars with all with all the other things around there too. Yeah, but it was only really located on the skid pad and the road course. And yeah, they never they never at Thompson included it into the old program for fans to watch. It was just kind of its own little thing off on the side. It was more of a nuisance in my eyes than anything because you could never hear the announcers. It echoed through the garages and the pits. You you had a hard time hearing and focusing on anything that was going on. I didn't like the way Thompson did it. I, I don't want to crap on Thompson for doing it because I appreciate their effort. But I think paving a small course on the front stretch and the infield of the big oval there uh, might have gotten more people in the grandstands as well. Yeah, well, when you have these diversified events, which, again, with Cletus, you can guarantee that this stuff is going to come to DeSoto. I don't think it's going to come on the biggest scale. But since he has that YouTube channel, it can be a big scale. Like, you look at Adam LZ, pretty much anything he posts from any little dirt, you know, backwoods facility is going to get a ton of views so he would have it and, run like right. one thing at a time right so like i said when you run those drift events at wall stadium they're not on the same day as a circle track program and it's also a very large event so when thompson did it it was basically here's here's an aside if you want to go check it out but you're not going to be watching it if you're watching this and if you're at the drift event you're probably not going to be coming over to the circle track side so if you're going to run it, run it individually, promote the hell out of it. And that's what these YouTubers are really good at doing. All right, I'm going to wrap this Listen, up. Listen, the communist racing better be good, Phil, or I want my money back. <laughs> so that's our show for this week. It's probably a little short episode, but uh, Jesse and I want to buy food before the rush hits for the Super Bowl. Sports, yay, sports. Yay, sports. I don't think I'm even going to watch. I don't even care because the Patriots aren't playing. Uh, but you can find us on Twitter, no, wait, you can't find us on Twitter. Uh, they haven't fixed our page yet. On Instagram, at Making Laps Podcast. 
facebook.com slash making laps podcast gleasonbrosracing.com for all the links to all the listening platforms you can find me at brent gleason zero one on instagram and twitter um don't friend me on facebook no i'm just kidding i don't care i'll, I'll leave you in purgatory uh phil where we can find you uh at p jakes racing p j a c q u e s racing uh on instagram twitter and facebook and I hope you post some stuff uh, of the new car racing down at New Smyrna. Uh, yeah, I'll be posting uh, regularly from Thursday through Saturday uh, pictures of the car, what's going on, what we're doing, how I did or hope, didn't. I hope you have a number at least taped onto it so we can know which one it is <laughs> as we watch on the uh, yeah. telecast. Jesse, We're, we're going to get creative. Oh, good. Jesse, I know you probably don't have social media. Just Facebook. <laughs> you can find our race team at Such Gleason Bros boomer. Racing. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a boomer, and I'm going to stay quiet. Yeah, I, I've, I haven't promoted our race team. At, it's it's Facebook. I think it's Facebook.com/slash Gleason Bros Racing. I'm not sure, uh, or you could just search us Gleason Bros Racing. Again, we are trying to make it to New Hampshire for April 17th, 18th. Jesse and I both want to run that race. If anybody wants to give us some tire money as a sponsorship. We will not only promote you on our race cars, but we will also promote you on this podcast. Anything you want within reason. Yeah. We are really... Keep it PG. We're all 13 P listeners. Keep it PG. We are really trying to make this race. So, yeah, hit us up. Follow us on... We are on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, and our hosting platform, Anchor. Thank you for listening this week. Keep the dirty side down and stay out of the fence. Yeah.